Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Chris Knighton of Knighton Runs Coaching, and I asked Chris to talk about this episode topic, this episode of So You Want to Run Your Very First Marathon, because coaching marathoners, specifically adult marathoners, is what Chris does as a running coach. Now, during this conversation, we do discuss some times, some race finish times, some things that may or may not apply to you specifically, but I want you to focus less on the specific times that we're discussing and more about the principles of training that apply to everyone when training for a marathon. So please enjoy Chris's expertise in this subject, and I hope that it'll answer some questions that you might have about training for your first marathon. Chris, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So before we dive into our exciting topic today, go ahead and tell us about yourself as a runner. How'd you become a coach and end up where you are today? Yeah. So I had a very different path to running, I think, than most people who are now in the situation that I am. I never ran in high school or college. I really never did any sports at all when I was younger. I wanted nothing to do with extracurricular activities. I think just going to school for seven or whatever hours a day it was, was enough. And after school, I just wanted to be at home with my friends or watching TV or playing video games. I I was not good with (laughs) being controlled and being in that environment. So I never stuck with any sports for longer than like a month. But when I was in college, I really got into just going out and exploring and riding my bike around the city. I went to school in Boston and This was back in like 2005 when uh, fixed gear bicycles were really popular and kind of at the height of their craze. And I got really into bike riding clubs and riding bikes around the city and had so much fun just like exploring and riding around and and using my my body as transportation and just like the, the adrenaline feeling of riding through traffic and like working hard and becoming a, like a fast rider and having fun with that, it kind of got me into sports and exploration and, and human-powered travel kind of for the first time in a way that it never was. And that eventually led to me getting really into hiking, which I know is very different than bicycling, but I loved exploring in the mountains, going on long hikes. And to make a long story short, after becoming a pretty accomplished hiker, I eventually got into ultra marathon running because I was out doing these hikes that were like, you know, 30 miles in a day, something like that. And that was no problem at all. And I had, I had known about some ultra runners for a while. Certain people like Scott Jurek were in many ways heroes of mine. And I was like, okay, I'll go see if I can run an ultra marathon. So I had a weird gateway into running and for a few years, I was really into ultras, but since then have transitioned into getting into road running. Now I'm a coach for road runners and also for high school athletes in middle distance. And 
yeah, have really come at it from a different background of just kind of as an adult loving being active, exploring, using my body to get around and feeling good. And then starting with these really longer distances and then slowly getting into shorter and shorter ones as I've matured as an athlete. It's kind of a weird path. I don't know many people who've dropped down from ultras back to marathons and stuck there. Usually it goes the other way, right? Usually we build up and build up and say, I run a marathon. I bet I could run an ultra. And then they just never come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll get into this a bit during our conversation today, but I'm primarily a marathon coach for adult runners, but I think I have some interesting perspectives on training for and running the marathon that's different than a lot of other people take when it comes to adult runners. I think that using the shorter stuff to promote your longer distance running is a really good approach and something that many adult runners neglect. And we're going to talk about all of that. But so you've, you've done ultra running. How many marathons have you also completed at this point? I've done four road marathons since 2007. And prior to that, I did probably five or six 50Ks. The longest ultra I did was, was a 40-mile run. So yeah, the, running the distance is no problem for me. At this point, I'm, I'm more worried just about speed. Yeah, getting faster. First build your base, then add your speed. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I wanted to talk to you about this topic, you know, so you want to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. You want to run your first marathon at a runner who is excited about or looking forward to or interested in training for their very first marathon because of your niche in working with adult marathoners. A question I get a lot is, how do I know I'm ready to train for a marathon? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And if you're asking that question, I would say, though perhaps you are ready, you probably shouldn't do it just yet. <laughs> and let me explain that. I think that most adults go to the marathon too soon. I love the marathon, but I also kind of have a love-hate relationship with the marathon. It's extremely popular amongst adult runners, often almost to the point where shorter distances, I think, are not given as much worth in some of the running community as the longer distances are. But I think for most people, honestly, you can see better results and more improvement in your athletic performance and just feel better doing it if you get better at distances like the half marathon and under first. So when I coach adults, and, and I said I primarily do coach marathoners, I often hold them back for six months or a year before I really encourage them to run a marathon because I want them to get very, very comfortable at first off being able to finish a half marathon strong, but also be able to finish it fairly quickly. I think that the marathon deserves a lot of respect, and until you feel very, very comfortable in the shorter distances, it's best to just stay there. People who have decided to train for a marathon, maybe it's a bucket list item, maybe that's what they genuinely have their heart set on. They've started running, they've been running for six months or a year, they're running 15, 20 miles a week. They may or may not have completed a half marathon or any other race distance. 
I feel like sometimes what I try to, I end up trying to talk people out of running a marathon and it's Mm -hmm. not because I'm trying to like, I'm not trying to gatekeep. It's I'm trying to protect the runner. Do you have any additional advice or something to say that would help a runner really pump their brakes on trying to attempt the distance too soon? Totally. Yeah. So running can be a lifelong sport. And I think that for any athlete get it, or we won't even say athlete, just anyone getting into running, you have like 10 years of growth that you can realize year after year after year, as long as you keep training and staying consistent. So there's no need to go do a marathon necessarily in like your first or second year of running if you don't already feel very confident in running the shorter distances. I would never tell anyone that they shouldn't do one or that they can't. You absolutely can. I think the question comes down to, do you just want to finish a marathon to have it be a bucket list item? Or do you want to run it well, run it to your potential and actually finish it strong? And the requirements of doing that in a marathon, frankly, because it's it's 26.2 miles, that's a really ridiculous long way for anybody. Even for incredibly fast athletes, that's a super long way. So there, there's a lot of time is, is kind of the, the point of it. And if you look at the way that athletes train through the high school or the collegiate system, the best athletes, they often wait to do the marathon. You move up in distance slowly over time. There's many reasons for that. But the longer you delay your transition to the marathon, the easier it's going to be and the better you're going to be once you actually make that step. So that's the question. Do you just want to do it to do it or do you want to do it to the best of your ability? Because often when we talk about running a new distance for the first time, racing a new distance, the ultimate goal, what I tell my athletes, your ultimate goal is to finish. And whether or not we are dealing with some sort of pace or time goal, the first time anybody runs specifically a half or a full marathon, the ultimate goal should be to finish. But what you've just described is that there does come a point in a runner's experience and fitness level where it's more than just being able to finish. It's about being able to actually race, race against yourself, race against the clock and have a well-executed best effort as opposed to just getting the distance in. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the difference between those two things? Yeah, absolutely. So I I totally agree. The first time and somebody is going to tackle a new distance, it's not a good idea to go in with expectations. Every race is, every type of race is new. Every distance requires different strategies in terms of pacing yourself, in terms of the training that goes into it, the fueling you may have to do along the way, and setting yourself up for a time goal in your debut in any race is... It, it sets yourself up potentially for disappointment. You can also exceed your goals. You know, I've helped people run way faster in their first marathon than they expected they ever would. But I think going into it with an open mind is really, really important, especially with the marathon, which is so much more unpredictable than any of the shorter distances. You know, I work with, I, I, I call the people that I work with athletes. And I think in general, if you run and you want to improve 
that's all I care about in terms of calling you an athlete. If you want to run a half marathon, understand like what went well, what didn't go well in that race, how you can improve for your next go around, both in the training and the execution of the race, then that makes you an athlete in my mind. And then that's a very different thing than someone who's just running just to run. But the person who takes a, takes the approach to their training and to their racing where they think like an athlete, they train like an athlete and they race like an athlete, they're going to see those huge improvements from race to race to race. It's going to feel really rewarding when you set big PRs from race to race to race. And it's just cool. Like running is running is not like a, a ball sport where, you know, you win or lose, you work on different skills. It's in many ways, you know, if you could say run a four hour marathon today, and then next year you could run a 335 marathon, you're a completely different person. You've completely transcended your past self. You're objectively a faster, stronger, better runner from a performance perspective. And that's the kind of athlete that I like to coach and work with who really has that drive to transcend themselves and improve from season to season. So if a runner is aiming to run a marathon, either in the near future or at some point in their running career, you mentioned earlier that you like to approach it from a speed first standpoint, but the marathon distance also does require a certain ability to complete volume. What do you recommend that they do in preparation for that? Absolutely. So I'll just throw some, some numbers out here and these can be controversial. I know, but it's important to have some kind of a reference point. So agree with them or not. I think that pretty much anyone can run a four hour marathon, you know, barring extreme circumstances that may limit your mobility. I think the average person with decent talent and then you know, general decent shape for an adult can run a four hour marathon. So whenever I see somebody who has run marathons in the past and they've run significantly slower than that, say like a five hour marathon, six hour marathon, 430, I know that improvement can come rapidly. Huge chunks can be taken off of their time by just doing small things to their training. And these are the types of things that you should be doing before you take on the marathon. So for example, I really don't want to see anyone training for a marathon unless they're already comfortable running, let's say 25 to 30 miles per week, five days per week at a minimum. And that's before you even really start the marathon training process. You can absolutely finish a marathon before you've done that amount of work, but it's generally not going to be pretty. Um, there's always a risk that you're going to have to walk at the end of the marathon, no matter how well-trained you are. But I honestly think that as a bare minimum barrier to entry, getting into marathoning, you should expect to be running 30 plus miles per week. Below that, it's you'll finish, but it won't be pretty. Now, in terms of speed, what I like to say is let's approach it from the shorter distances first. So I would love it if you could get comfortable running the half marathon first. So let's try to improve your time down to around like the two hour mark 
in the half marathon before we then transition up to the marathon. So that's kind of the, so mileage 30 miles a week and then speed, let's say, try to get you around two hours in the half marathon before we go to the marathon. Those are kind of two things that I look at before I would really encourage anyone to do a marathon if their goal is to run it well and, 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 and give it the same level of, um, here's the thing, half marathon, you can run really, really well on low levels of training and you can enjoy it. You can finish strong. Marathon's not really that way. It's much longer race. It's the training is much more challenging. It's longer. There's more things that can go wrong. So let's try to do these things in the lower distances first, like run 30 miles per week, get close to a two hour half marathon. If you do those things, then you've set the standard to then run a strong marathon. I can already hear that there are some people who are going to say, that's completely unrealistic for me. I will never be able to run two hours in the half marathon, let alone four hours in the marathon. And what you're saying is not that you shouldn't attempt to train for a marathon if you're not you know, at that 30 miles per week volume, if you can't run a two-hour half marathon. What you're saying is that the approach and what your goal should be is going to be different if you're coming from a lower volume place. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Yeah. So like I said, anyone, in my opinion, can run a four hour marathon with the proper training. I also think that anyone can finish a 26.2 mile run on no training. <laughs> so it's where do you want to be between the two? Do you want, are you happy just to enjoy the experience of the marathon and have it take a very long time and probably have to do some walking or probably be in a pretty bad place at the end? Or do you want to try to run really fast through the whole thing, much faster than you normally run in training, try to jump over the wall and finish strong and maybe even negative split the thing? Or do you want to be somewhere in between? And there's no right answer. But if we look at it from, I would say, a, a, a training perspective of trying to get the best out of you, if that is your goal, then I think approaching the marathon with these is important. So let's put it this way. If someone came to me and they said, Chris, I want to improve. I want to be faster. What should I do? What sh I want to be faster in the marathon. I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I want to break four for the first time. What should I do? I would say, let's look at your times. Let's say your, your current time is 2.30 in the half marathon, um, five hours and 30 minutes in the full marathon. I would say, Let's take at least six months, do no marathons. Let's just focus on shorter distance speed, remove a lot of your long runs, focus on getting you faster. And then once your times are correlating to where you want them to be in the half marathon, in the marathon, we can then move back to the marathon. The challenge with training for the marathon is you're trying to train two different things at the same time if your goal is to improve. You're trying to both get faster as well as trying to be able to run 26 miles without physical breakdown. And those are two incredibly challenging things to train when you're doing one at a time, but to try to do them both at the same time is extremely hard. So that's why I like people to either focus purely on getting faster in the shorter distances. And then once they've done that, focus on expanding the 
distance of time, the, their endurance, once they've already built the speed, they take that to the marathon and focus on expanding that over the full 26.2. Something I see quite often is runners who have run roughly two hours for the half marathon, who train for and run, train, follow a training plan, do some sort of training, run their first marathon, and their marathon time is like crash and burn. What do you see most often if a runner has that race profile? Is that mostly down to training error, not enough training, not the right kind of training? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that when I was a new coach, I often made the mistake of just thinking you plug a shorter distance race time into a race prediction calculator. Say you plug in a 10K or plug in a half marathon and it spits out an equivalent marathon and that that's going to be a reasonable goal. Those race calculators work extremely well for distances from like one mile, 5K, 10K, half marathon. The marathon, they sometimes work, but more often than not, they don't work great. The reason is the marathon for most athletes is more like an ultra marathon in terms of the physical demands on your body, as well as the training, than it is like the shorter distances. Most people have the speed that they need to run the time that those types of calculators would predict. They have the speed. They can go run a fast 5K. They can go run a fast 10K, half marathon, but they don't have the endurance that's needed to literally double the distance of the half marathon, double the time involved, plus some, and then start to incorporate the other things that are necessary in the full marathon, like fueling your body along the way, which is honestly not really a thing you have to do in the half marathon for, for many people. It's So it's a lack of endurance, and it's a lack of specific types of training that are going to build that endurance, and they're going to prepare you to run the marathon well. Something I hear a lot about is people who have decided that they have a goal pace in the marathon, or they've used a pace calculator, and they've decided this is my marathon goal pace. And they choose a training plan, which may or may not be appropriate for what their current ability is. And they write everything at their goal pace because they think the best way to get better at running my goal marathon pace is to run a bunch of stuff at my goal marathon pace. Everything, long runs, short runs, everything. Please tell us why that's not probably the best approach to train for a marathon for almost anybody. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question too. So one of the reasons why I got into coaching is because before I hired my first coach to train me for my first marathon, I really had no idea how to train. Like I would watch videos on YouTube, learn bits and pieces of things. I would read stuff online. I had some friends who were runners, but you know, I would just take bits and pieces of things and try to piece them together. I had no overarching philosophy of what I was doing. There was no strategy behind it. And when I hired my first coach to train me for my first marathon, that's when I first started to understand, like there's a flow to each week. There's, there's phases of training that you go through over time. So most people honestly just don't get that. Or if they do, they don't apply it to their own training. So 
you asked about, for example, like running marathon pace all the time. A lot of people think if they just, they just run marathon pace all the time that they're going to get faster. <laughs> I know you've interviewed a lot of coaches on this podcast. You probably, this has probably been said before, but honestly, in three years of coaching, the m- most common thing I do is tell people to slow down, not to speed up, especially when you're training for the, mo- for the marathon, most people run too fast and they don't run enough. So like I said before, most people already have the speed to accomplish their marathon time. They don't have the endurance. And to build the endurance, you primarily want to be running at a, what we'd call a conversational pace, one where you're breathing calmly. You can talk with a friend who may be next to you or just talk to yourself if you're by yourself. And, you know, whenever you see someone on a bike path or something like that, and you, you hear them huffing and puffing as they run. Like I see them and I'm like, I know you're not out for a workout. I, I know you're not doing a tempo run, an interval run. Like you, you should slow down. <laughs> um, endurance is built primarily through your time on feet, not the intensity at which you run for most athletes, especially beginner athletes. And it's not about going hard all the time or going moderate all the time, which is what most people do. It's about modulating your effort over time so that maybe every other day is hard and the other day is very easy or every three days is hard and the two days in between is easy. There needs to be a a high and a low to it throughout your training because I think what most people don't understand is we don't improve by running hard. We improve by resting in between our bouts of hard running. So when you run hard every day, you never give yourself the ability to rest. So when you run hard, run hard, and in between that, take it very easy. That's a really hard concept for people to understand and really like intellectually grasp because it feels fairly counterintuitive. For most things to become better at the skill that we're aiming for, we do the actual thing. I shoot basketballs to get better at shooting a basketball. I, you know, play the violin to get better at playing the violin. Why can't I run marathon pace to get better at running at marathon pace? So we have, you know, part of being a coach, and I know this is a huge part of what you do too, is just that education, that education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I say this, Chris says this, like he said, most of my other guests have also mentioned this in some capacity. If everybody who is in this space is telling you that you need to take your easy runs really easy, you should probably listen to them and slow down. Yeah. I've, I've told a hundred percent of my athletes to slow down literally hundred percent of them, but zero, zero of them have gotten slower at races or when it matters. So it's all about running fast when it matters and saving your energy when it just frankly doesn't. Something I also hear a lot about is the time commitment that it takes to run a marathon. And when I get questions like this, I'm, I'm excited because it means the person is genuinely trying to make an informed decision about whether or not they're ready to train for a marathon because it is a huge time investment. But for runners who are maybe on the slower side, five hour, maybe six hour marathon, they are concerned that they won't be able to run enough or maybe that they should work on getting faster first before training for a marathon. I, and like you said, 
just because your finishing time might be five hours or six hours doesn't mean you shouldn't train for a marathon. Do you want to talk about more about what you expect, you know, the average hours per week or what you really would like an athlete to be running per week when they're training for a marathon? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to have a bit of a controversial spin on this one too. I think that there's no difference between how much time you give to your training, whether you're training to do well at a one mile race, a 5k race, or a marathon. The question is how much time do you have available and how are you best going to utilize the time that you do have? I don't think lack of time is a good excuse. Everyone has time. It's just what do you choose to fill your time with? Even like the best runners are only running an hour and a half to two hours a day. And I'm not, just, I'm not saying that everyone should do that. I think if you're training for the marathon, you should probably be able to come up with that amount of time somehow. One hour per day, midweek, two to three hours on the weekend, on a Saturday or a Sunday, and then one day rest. I think most people should probably have one day rest. If you can't dedicate that much time, you can get by with less training for the marathon, but you may do better in the shorter distances if if you have less time. Say you only have 30 minutes a day to run, you you probably do better if you focused on shorter distances. But, you know, I think I think everyone most people can find the time, you know, are you wasting time at night watching Netflix after you put your kids to bed or something? Um can you get up earlier in the morning? Are you like me and you spend two hours in the morning just like sitting on the couch drinking coffee and procrastinating? Like there's a lot of time in our day that we can run. It's just about priorities. And are you going to make the time to do what you love or is it going to be an excuse for you? With marathon training, here we'll get a little controversial. If So let's say that you are looking to finish like four hours, five hours, six hours in the marathon. That doesn't mean that your long runs should be any longer than they are for someone who's finishing in, let's say, three hours or 350 or under three hours. And I think that this is one of the most common mistakes that newer marathoners make. It's that we look at the training of professional athletes or really advanced athletes who are running 20 mile long runs, 22 mile long runs, like every single weekend and think that we should also be going out and doing 18 or 20 mile long runs as well. And that's, <laughs> there are some training plans that advocate for that kind of thing. If you're a low mileage runner, but for me, I, in my coaching, I actually don't even give a 20 mile long run to my athletes until they're like consistently running 60 miles a week or more. So let's say that you're running your first marathon and maybe you're only running, let's say 30 to 40 miles a week. I would only give you like a 16 mile long run or a long run that would only last two to three hours on the weekend. Regardless of the distance you cover after like two and a half hours, there's a ton of diminishing returns in what you're actually getting out of that. And you don't actually need to go out and like run 18 mile long, long, long runs, 20 mile long runs to prepare yourself to run a marathon well. As long as you're running two to three hours every single weekend in a single long run, you're getting the benefit that you need. And any more than that is honestly just overkill and it's probably going to hurt more than it helps. So 
to wrap this all the way around. <laughs> all you need to train well, there's five hours a week, and then you need two to three hours on the weekend. So that's seven to eight hours of running. And you could get by with like half of that, but that's what I like to see for, for someone who's serious about it and really wants to do their best. I was going to ask you about the 20 miler because I hate seeing beginner plans that have three miles, four miles, three miles, 20 miles. Yeah. And often those people, you know, free plans on the internet, four days, three to four days of running a week, 70% of your volume is in one long run, which for most runners is going to take them far beyond that two and a half hour. I say around three hours. I know it's like the research is between two and a half and three hours is that diminishing returns cut off. And you have runners out there spending four hours on their feet, four and a half, five. I've had runners come to me and said, should my long run be taking me five hours? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Burn that plan, drop it and walk away. And I, I agree with you, you know, it's one of those things where we see elite runners doing it. And this is, this is so not a situation where we can look at what somebody who's running a hundred, 120 miles a week and say, oh, well, if they're doing it, I should also do that. We are not them. And one of the biggest mistakes I see newer or lower volume runners make is trying to cram in 18, 20, or even 22 or 23. I think the New York road runners came out with one of their New York marathon training plans for moderate vault. Like I think it was like 50 or 60 miles a week. And they had like a 23 mile long run in it. That's bonkers to me. Yeah. I think that those training plans are a good way to prepare you to finish a marathon, but they're not a good way to prepare you to finish a marathon. Well, and if we go back to my perspective of increasing your speed before you go to do the marathon, build your speed first, then build your, your endurance to cover the marathon. All the training principles that apply to a professional athlete or a highly advanced amateur, maybe someone doing like 70 miles a week, 80 miles a week, or even hundred miles a week, all those same principles of training apply to a newer runner who's doing their first marathon, maybe only doing 30 miles a week. So a th th half or a third of the mileage, all the concepts apply. It's just a matter of scaling everything down. And same thing with the full long run distance. Professionals maybe are able to do like a 20 to 25 mile long run every week. People who really work their way up through amateur running and are doing maybe like 70 miles a week can, can do 18, 20 mile long runs pretty comfortably. But if we scale that down to where you are, a good rule of thumb is like keep your long runs for the marathon, like 30% to four, up to 40% of your total weekly mileage and keep it in that like two to three hour a week range. And as long as you're doing that, you're getting the same training stimulus as these other athletes. It's just a scaled down and appropriate to where you're at. So for example, I run like a sub three marathon. My last one was 254 which was not a good time for me. I was gunning more for like 240 something, but I crashed and burned sort of towards the end. I can go out and do a 20 mile long run in like two hours and 15 minutes. And that's pretty comfortable pace for me. If I'm coaching an athlete who's running only half as much as me, they might only be able to cover 15 miles in two hours and 15 minutes. So I look at it more from a time perspective than a mileage one. 
and again, that is another concept, which is just makes people really uncomfortable. They think, how am I supposed to run 26 miles if I can't run 20 miles? How, how is only running 16 miles, 15 miles? We really want to honor the principles of good training, which we know are, you know, based on science. You don't need to be out there for five hours just to get your 20 miler in. Yeah. Uh, a couple of thoughts I have on this. I, I like talking about this topic because it does ruffle some feathers. People have strong opinions on it. I think that the marathon is an incredibly hard and unpredictable event for everybody. Nobody, and I mean nobody, not even Olympians, go out and run like 26.2 miles fast and think that that's an easy thing to do. It's always scary to go that far and that fast, no matter who you are. I mean, it's a, it's a freaking marathon. It's in the name. Like it's, this is a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous event. The shorter, the shorter distances, okay, are not the same test of your endurance. They're not like a ridiculous, grueling endurance challenge like the marathon is for literally everybody. So a lot of respect needs to be given to the marathon. And I, that's why it's so appealing. That's why it's a bucket list thing is it's like this amazing test of your physical endurance. But giving it that proper respect and saying like, okay, I'm, if I'm going to go do this well, I need to really, I need to give more to this training or like take this more seriously then maybe I would take a shorter distance event training because there's no guarantee that you're not going to have that physical breakdown and bonk. Even if you had trained hundred miles a week for six months leading up to the event, just look at professional runners. They bonk all the time. So there's no guarantee going past 16 or 18 miles in, in a race. It's, it's uncharted territory for everybody. One of the ways that I like to counter that or hedge against that feeling is by distributing emphasis throughout the week on somebody's training so that rather than just prioritizing the long run and having a bunch of short kind of meaningless runs midweek, which is what some plans like the one we were describing earlier do, I like to have pretty meaty runs throughout the course of the week. And then rather than overemphasize the long run, have it just be an important part of the weekly schedule. So I really think it's the consistency of running, let's say an hour per day or slightly more, slightly less as your training progresses, that's going to give you that endurance that you need. So even if you've only ever done like 16 milers, for example, if you spent 18 weeks training where you had consistent training, good, good runs, midweek runs that were maybe six miles, eight miles, 10 miles, and then like a 14 or 16 mile on the weekend, you're going to have the endurance you need to run the marathon. Ultimately, success in the marathon or really any distance comes down not so much to the length of any particular run as it comes down to your kind of total volume spread out amongst the whole week. So I think that by spreading it out rather than piling it all onto the long run, most athletes are not only going to get faster by doing that, they're also going to build better endurance for themselves. Something I like to do with my athletes who are running their first marathon, when we get close to race day, I total up all the miles they've run so far in their training cycle. And when they see that big three-digit number of all the hundreds of miles they've run in preparation, then it's like a, oh, oh, wow. Like that's a that's a lot. I've been training a lot. Cause you're right. It's not about any one specific 
long run distance or any one specific day that prepares you. It's what you do in the four, five months of training for this one race that is going to prepare you to go the distance. Totally. Every long run is an interval with a week's rest in between. You don't need to go run 26 miles fast in one go. You can run half of that one week with a week long rest, run the other half of that. And when you repeat that for months on end, your endurance builds up. You mentioned earlier the fueling. And personally, I like to coach my athletes to fuel during a half marathon. Um, I think it's helpful, but technically you're correct. We don't necessarily need to fuel. You can get away without fueling for the half marathon. You cannot get away with not fueling in a marathon. Why is that? And how do you coach your athletes to fuel properly during their training in preparation for race day? Yeah, I, I agree with you. You actually see in the professional world that athletes are fueling more frequently and more regularly now than they ever were before. Also in shorter distances. I think even in like the half marathon now, which only takes like an hour for professionals, both men and women these days, they're still fueling in the half marathon. Traditionally, we would say that like it usually takes about 90 minutes or so of endurance exercise before you want to start to consider fueling because our bodies have limited amounts of energy stores where after about 90 minutes of intense exercise, we primarily burn through um, the carbohydrate stores in our body, which are fueling our fast exercise. And then that is when, at least in the marathon, we kind of metaphorically hit the wall where we slow down and get low energy or start to get really sore. But you see people in the professional world fueling earlier and earlier now just to hedge against any kind of slowdown. So the way you train is going to prepare you for how well you race. And most athletes don't take this seriously enough. Generally, what I recommend is in the second half of your marathon training, so let's say you're doing like an 18-week plan, in the final nine weeks, second half of it, you should start fueling on your long runs and start bringing the gels or whatever you plan to fuel with during the race with you and start taking them on the frequency that you plan to in the marathon. And you should do this every single cycle because our bodies do change over time. A particular flavor or frequency of gel that worked for us in the fall may not work for us in the spring, whether that's weather-related or just our bodies changing over time or us changing as an athlete. So it's important to practice. In endurance exercise, one of the most common ways that people quit a race, reasons why they quit a race, is because of stomach issues. And you definitely don't want that to be an issue for you in a marathon. But it, but it often is. It often is. And most people don't fuel enough. That's the other thing that I see is they may think like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll drink over a marathon. I'll take like two gels with me or three gels with me. And no, it's actually like, it's, it's kind of a gross amount of gels that you need to take with you. Like most people's bodies can take in like 200 to 300 calories per hour, but we're burning significantly more than that. We generally burn like around a hundred calories per mile. So, you know, just think about how many miles you're covering in a marathon you generally can't even take in fuel 
fast enough to replace that. So you are depleting yourself. And it's not a question of like, how little can you get away with fueling? It's more like how much can you actually stomach and tolerate? So fueling more is generally the answer. And the only way to figure out what's going to work for you is through practicing it in your long runs. And even in your midweek workouts, if they're longer workouts. It is a gross amount of gel. I would agree with that when you count out and you, you're doing your long run prep or your race day prep and you're counting out one, two, three, four, five. Oh my God, six. Oh my God, seven. And then I always like to take an extra one or two with me just in case you drop one or you don't want that flavor that you have left over. Because you're right. Um, the fueling is not about, I love that you said that. This is this is so great. It's not about how little you can get away with. It's about how much can you actually like, cram into your system. And everybody's been talking about super shoes, carbon-plated shoes, bringing, helping bring down race times. But I agree with you. Fueling more and more often at all levels seems to be a lot more common now. I would assume that also has something to do with the increases or the the I guess, decreases the faster times we might be seeing across all events at the elite level. Yeah, I would assume so. It's funny if you, if you listen back to like old timers in the Boston marathon, um, people like jumping white Samuelson or um, Bill Rogers, Bill like Rogers. Never, he like, Bill he Rogers, took like yeah. a glass of water and that was it. Yeah. There were like no aid stations, you know, maybe like someone on course would hand you like I think I remember Bill Rogers saying drinking like flat Coke, like someone would hand him like a Coke or something and like, or nothing. I, I mean, I think some of the best marathon performances in history were run with no fuel at all. And, but people would like straight up, like die on the finish line. And now when people finish marathons, like often they just look so good. They look so strong, you know, they're running. I, I think I remember when, when Des Winden won the Boston Marathon, she like ran an extra mile, like in the finish line, just going up and down and cheering. It was, it was crazy. Like the the fueling nowadays, people just finish marathons a lot stronger than they used to. And yeah, I mean the the frequency that you want to be taking gels at, I, I didn't touch on that, but as a starting point, I think most athletes should probably be fueling every 30 to 45 minutes. And usually when I say that to people, they think that's a shock. Cause they're like, Oh, I was planning on taking one like every hour or something. And no, it should probably be like every 30 to 45 minutes. And for very fast athletes, you know, people running like under a three hour marathon, I would even say like, try taking more than that. Try maybe even taking every like 20 or 25 minutes professionals nowadays fuel every 5k. So like every 15 to 20 minutes, it's, it's a lot. And they're taking up to 90 plus grams of carbs per hour when us regular folk are aiming for, I aim for 50 to 60 grams per hour. I, you know, the general recommendation is 30 to 60 grams per hour, but we want to see you on the higher side. And you're right. If you're taking a gel that has, let's say 25 grams of carbs, one every 30 minutes, that's 50 grams of carbs. You're not even at 60 yet. That's like the minimum. <laughs> and the more you practice with this stuff, the more second nature it becomes. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the beginning of marathon season. I just buy a whole box of gels. 
I use the Goo brand because it's relatively inexpensive and it works for me. And that way I'm not shy about using them, you know? Um, there's some other brands out there that are popular, but they're, they're more expensive. And you may say like, oh, I don't want to waste it. I won't take it. I'll save it for the race or whatever. But but really, no, you should be you should be training with them. You should be practicing with them and you should be using them frequently. So that's why I kind of like the least, the, the, the cheaper ones. You know, you can even train with homemade gels. And I experimented with this for a while, but they're fancy products and little packages, but basically it's just like a sugary goo. You can make a really good energy gel just out of things like maple syrup or agave nectar or brown rice syrup, put some, put some salt in it and it tastes pretty good. So it's not a question of, um, should you fuel? It's more just like, like we were saying, how much can you get comfortable with? And yeah, absolutely need to practice that on your long runs before the race. So what are situations that you would specifically strongly advise against someone training for their first marathon or really any marathon? Maybe they've done a couple of marathons and they're telling you a life situation. They say, this is my current situation. You say, no, please don't. This is not the time for you. Uh, I would probably never say that. I think that anyone could do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if they really want to. But I would have I would have the conversation with them is like what's your what's your goal with this marathon? Why do you want to do it? What do you want to try to achieve? Because ultimately, once it's once it's said and done, you'll probably be happy that you did it. But then you'll just be on to the next goal. So, are you going to want to do another marathon? And are you going to be like upset with how it went, or really happy with how it went, and then want to go do it better? Like, is, is getting better motivating you? If that's the case, we may have a conversation of, yeah, let's do this marathon, or maybe no, let's let's wait, let's like take a more strategic approach to planning out your year, we'll go to the marathon when it makes sense, or maybe it's like, yeah, you're ready for the marathon, you've done the prerequisites, I feel totally confident in you, but I want to work with people who I feel like can succeed and, and reach their goals, whatever they may be, and. Um, there's, there's, there's certain times, yeah, where like, I think maybe the marathon's not the right race for somebody right yet, but eventually it will be. But, you know, if you just want to do it as like a bucket list item, anyone can download a Hal Higton plan and <laughs> run four days a week and finish one. Finish one. Finish many, one. Many people have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk about choosing your training in a minute, but the last really thing I want to talk about is we talked about this a little bit before when you're running your first marathon, it's your ultimate goal should be to finish depending on who you are. You may have an idea of what an appropriate finish finishing time for you would be. A question I often get is a first time marathoner who genuinely isn't even sure what they should be running on race day. They have no idea what their target pace or effort zone might be because maybe they just haven't had enough racing experience. Maybe they are, have been told their goal is just to finish, but they're like, yeah, but it's gotta be a little bit more detailed advice than that. Do you have any recommendations or advice for how a first time marathoner should approach their pace or effort in their first race? So here's, here's some good rule of thumbs. So 
if you have completed a half marathon and you feel like you completed that strong, so finished the last few miles quickly, ran strong to the end, didn't have to walk, then kind of as a rule of thumb, you can take your half marathon time, double it, and then add maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes if you want to be extra conservative. And that will kind of put you in the ballpark of what you might be able to run for a full marathon if you do the proper training for it. Uh, if you haven't run a half marathon strong, I would say go do one of those first before you do a full marathon. Um, that way you have the result and you can you can plug it into one of these race calculators or you can double it and add 10 or 15 minutes and get a rough idea. But like I said before, most people have the speed to run their marathon pace. They just don't really have the endurance. So for a lot of people, especially folks who are realistically probably going to run a time greater than a four hour marathon, your marathon pace is pretty much just going to be like your easy everyday jog pace, because in that range, you're not really going any faster in the marathon to finish it. than you're just going out and running your everyday runs because in that range, you're not really worried about speed. You're just worrying about trying to finish and not have to walk. So, you know, you may go out in, so a four hour marathon, for example, you're probably doing your everyday runs around like a 10 minute mile, as slow as an 11 minute mile on a day where you're, you're tired or recovering. Your marathon pace is going to be like nine minute miles. So that is a little bit faster, but as we get into closer to like 4:30, things like that, they're kind of one in the same. That's, that's the other question is it, are you going to be running this marathon faster than normal? Or are you going to be running it just kind of your normal pace and trying to finish the distance? There's two different things and you need to know which is going to be your focus. And just finishing the marathon, even if it's in your easy pace range, that is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> yes. Yes. And most, and, and I'll say that, yeah, most people, most people don't finish a marathon and run the whole thing. <laughs> most, okay. Most people, most people's time in the marathon, like their, their PR time. If it's over four hours, generally, even if it's in the three hour range is you ran really strong for 16 or 18 or 20 miles. And then you like run walked the last six and that's going to kill all your time. Like once you start walking in a marathon, your time just goes out the window. And this is no matter who you are. Like one of my marathons earlier this year, I was on pace for a 240 marathon through mile 18 hit the wall really, really hard. I went from running six minute miles to literally doing like 12 minute miles for the last five. So I went from 240 to 315. I lost 25 minutes in the last five miles. I don't even consider that as like a 315 marathon. I just consider that as like a, that was a failed marathon. Like my time is irrelevant. Like I, I, I finished the race, but like, I don't care about my time. <laughs> Most people, if you can just finish a marathon at any pace and actually cover the full distance and not have to walk, that's a huge win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> build your yeah. endurance, build your endurance and try to get to a place where you can do that. And start slow. I mean, honestly, you're, I, I had another guest on earlier and they said, basically start your first few miles slow 
and then slow down some more. The best you're going to feel in your marathon is in the first few miles. And that's when you really need to pump the brakes and make sure you're not going out too fast. Yeah. The marathon is a very tricky event. And it's one that I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with because if you've done the training right, when it comes time to actually race on marathon race day, in my experience, your marathon pace is going to feel so incredibly easy and like almost like a jog. It's going to not even feel like you're racing or pushing yourself until mile 16, 18, 20, when it starts to get hard. And then it becomes a real physical struggle. Up until that point, you're going to be like, la, 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 this is so easy. I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe how fast I feel, which is crazy because all throughout training, especially if you've been training at like a, what you might consider a fast marathon pace, you may have just like struggled to even do like six miles at marathon pace in training. But then on race day, it's like, it's like nothing. It doesn't even feel like you're racing. So starting slow, not getting tricked into going faster than your goal pace, being really, really patient. People say this all the time, but the marathon doesn't really start until mile 20, or it's not halfway through until mile 20. And I, I, I agree with that. The first 20 miles of a marathon, your goal is to be incredibly comfortable and get to mile 20 feeling very confident and very strong to be able to run that last six miles well. And that's, that's really the goal. It's a race of patience and hours of patience waiting to get to that point. But if you aren't patient, if you go too fast, if you start to compete in the first 20 miles against yourself or against your competition, it just sets you up for a really tough last half. And I know this from experience. It's, it's a race of patience. You really need to bide your time in order to finish strong. I think it took me until my third one is when I really felt like I ran, a, finally ran a, a decent race. Like I, I negative split. I was strong until the end. You're not going to figure out the marathon on your first go around. Nobody does. Even professionals. You read enough running memoirs. And when the runner inevitably profiles the first time they ran their marathon, even I think Dina Castor's debut marathon, she talks about how much physical pain she was in and how badly she wanted to stop when she ran her first marathon. Um, you're not supposed to know what you're doing the first time you do it. It's okay. Yeah, it's incredibly unpredictable. All the shorter races, half marathon and under, not nearly as much can go wrong. They just you're kind of the, you're in the fitness that you're in and if you have the right mental state to execute your race plan, they usually go right. But the marathon is kind of a crapshoot a lot of the time, no matter who you are. And to kind of circle back around to what I was saying earlier, that's why I think that for athletes who are driven by improving their own personal performances and getting faster, feeling stronger and more proud of their accomplishments over time, really using those shorter distances as like your, your training ground and your proofing ground to improve your performances, because you can get a lot of wins in those shorter distances more reliably with less anticipation and build up and time off needs afterwards, all this sort of stuff. You can improve so much in the 5K, 10K half marathon, feel really, really strong, really, really proud, and then bring that energy and that momentum into the marathon once you feel like you've built built like a really, really strong base to go then do the marathon. It's unlike any other road race. It's more like an ultra for most people than it is like the shorter stuff. So let's talk briefly about how somebody can 
understand whether training is appropriate for them. I often, and I, I talk to a lot of people in DMs, they answer a lot of questions about a variety of training topics. And the most common theme I see is a runner who's chosen a plan that is either inappropriate for them or just a badly written plan in general, but they don't know enough about what training should look like to understand what they have chosen to follow is not right for them. Do you have any guidance if a runner is choosing to self-coach? Maybe they, ultimately, yes, if you want really, truly personalized, individualized, proper training, work with a coach. But if you're choosing to self-coach, what should what red flags or green flags should a runner look for when they are choosing their training? That's hard because to self-coach, you need to educate yourself and understand everything that goes into designing training, modifying your training on the fly, and then holding yourself to the same standard that you would hold another athlete who you are coaching. And that's where people often screw up because we don't hold ourselves to the same standards or apply the same rules to ourselves that we may do to other people we're trying to help out. We try to just push through. So it, so it's tough. It's tough. But many people do success, successfully self-coach themselves and see a lot of improvement. Certain things that you should be looking for is certain rules of thumb that you can you can think about. So we'll few things we'll talk about. So we'll talk about weekly mileage. So what weekly mileage have you done in the past consistently? And were you successful on that? Did you enjoy it? Did you stay injury free? Do you feel like you thrived on it? If so, then in your upcoming marathon season, you can probably handle a little bit more if you want to. So a rule of thumb I like to say is maybe you can increase it by about 10 miles at your peak this season. So let's say you ran 40 miles a week last season and everything went well, then you could go up to 50 and that would be a safe bet for this upcoming season. I wouldn't go more than 50. There's no need to rush. It's better to just stay consistent and grow slow. You also don't have to increase your mileage if you don't want to. It generally is better, absolutely, if, if it's going to work for you, but you don't have to. You don't you can run good marathons on 40 miles a week, let's say. But if you can, push yourself to do a little bit more. I recommend that. But if you weren't successful on your previous mileage, say your times didn't really increase, maybe you got hurt, you didn't enjoy it, you felt like it was too much mileage, you could either stay the same and just try to get more comfortable there or consider doing slightly less. But that's, that's mileage. Workouts for your first marathon, unless you're working with a coach, I think if you're just self-coaching, maybe don't worry about workouts so much. Just get in mileage. You can do a long run. You can do a medium long run in a week, some shorter runs, and you'll probably be good. If you are going to do workouts, I think you're either going to know enough about what you can handle or you're going to not. And if you don't, it's probably helpful to work with a coach in that aspect because for the marathon, it's primarily the distance, just getting in the mileage, which is going to help you. But workouts will help you, but they can also hurt you if you don't do them right. So tread carefully with that. And um, long run, long run. Yeah. So for your long run, keep that in perspective too. So there is a lot of plans out there aimed at beginners that will bring you all the way up to a 20-mile long run. But instead of doing that, what I found the most success with is keep your long run from 
at the beginning of the training, let's say 90 minutes to two hours. And then in the second half of training, keep your long run from two hours to three hours, kind of peaking in that like two and a half to three hour long run distance every week. Don't worry so much about what the mileage is that you cover. That's going to depend on your speed, which is a different factor altogether. As long as you're getting in that amount of time each week, you're good. Because really it's the consistency and total bulk of what you're doing over the week and over the months that matter, not how much any particular long run is. You don't need to run multiple marathon-esque long runs in your buildup for a marathon. You know, if you do a 20 miler and it takes you like four hours, that's kind of like running another marathon and you don't need to do that. So just stay consistent. And um, if you follow those principles, when in doubt, do a little bit less. It's better to be consistent and do a little bit less than do too much and have to take some time off because of it. So those are some things to look at. I think listeners who are currently following a marathon training plan are probably pulling out their plans right now and saying, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Uh-oh, this might not be the plan for me. <laughs> It's it's tricky because there's 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 a couple of different approaches out there for marathon training that are popular and successful. There's I think the two main ones are for for beginner plans is it's like you're either training for the distance where the long runs are primarily emphasized and they're kind of the main run each week, or they're workouts that I like to describe as more kind of training the athlete in general. So you're not training for the distance, you're training to be a better athlete. And that's the approach that I like to take, where rather than just say like, hey, we're preparing for this 26 mile run, so we need to increase our long run length every single weekend and build up to that so we get comfortable. It's more like, what are the principles that make you a stronger, faster athlete with better endurance? no matter who you are and how can we apply them to you, no matter what event you're training for. And then there are certain things that if you're training for a marathon, for example, will put into your training, because I do believe in the specificity of training. So your workouts, the length of your runs, and all these sorts of things, they will be geared to make you run a good marathon, but the principles are largely the same, whether you're following a marathon training plan, a half marathon training plan, or 10K or 5K when you kind of take this athlete first approach versus a distance first approach. I love that distinction, a plan that is the only purpose of the plan is to prepare you to complete this one very specific long distance event, and maybe you never run again. And I agree with you. And I work the same way with my athletes, take the same approach in the way I train. I don't care if you ever run a marathon, what we're doing is trying to make you a better runner. And Every training cycle should reflect the ultimate goal of making you into a better runner than you were last cycle. And the specifics might change, but it's never going to be, oh, put everything else aside. All we care about right now is making your long run as long as possible. That's not how you become a better athlete. That's how you finish that one very specific distance event, but it might not actually make you a better runner for doing that. Yeah, totally. I don't know if my athletes realize this, but when they hire me to in their minds, train them for a race. I am only kind of training them for the race. I'm really training them to become a better athlete, become someone who really enjoys the sport and is proud of what they've accomplished in it and feels like they can, you know, if they can tackle their marathon training, they can 
tackle anything that comes up in life. And I'm not just necessarily training for someone for an event that's like 10 weeks from now. It's like, where are you going to be a year from now? Where do you want to be two years from now? And if we're starting with that picture in mind, like how are we getting there? That's a big difference, I think, when people choose to work with a coach versus choose to self-coach is kind of the timeline in what your training is pointing towards. I think when we self-coach, often we are very short-term in our mentality. It's like, oh, we're just training for this race. We're going to go all in for this race and we'll make sacrifices and risk, take risks for this race. But that's not necessarily good for your long-term development. 100% agree. And this is a great transition into having you tell us about you as a coach, um, because we have reached the end of, I think, <laughs> I could keep going, but I know that I want to be uh, sensitive to the fact that we've already been talking for over an hour and I hope people have learned a lot from this episode. So Chris, tell us about you as a coach. I, you have your own coaching practice with you work privately with athletes. Um, tell us more about that. And if you're taking on new clients right now. Yeah. So I've been coaching athletes for about three years and earlier in 2021, I had the opportunity to leave my old corporate job and start coaching full-time, which for me is incredible. I love to be able to kind of live my passion every single day and make that my my daily work and way that I impact the world and make it a better place. I've worked with over 50 different athletes one-on-one -on -one over the past three years, and I primarily work with adults who are interested in improving their road racing times. Many of them are focused on the marathon, but not all. But I coach many people who are interested in qualifying for the Boston Marathon or breaking two in the half marathon for the first time, four in the marathon for the first time, or just improving in general. So if you kind of like what I've been talking about, the some of the strategies and the point of views that I've been putting across in this, I would love to chat with you. I am taking on some more athletes at this time, and you can find me at nightandruns.com or on Instagram at nightandruns. That's my handle on there. And I'm going to link to Chris's Instagram and website in the show notes. And I also know that you're working on a book. Tell us more about your upcoming book and when it's going to be published and what it's about. Yeah, thank you. So I am very, very close to publishing my first book, which is fun. I, I didn't think I would ever have one, but it's just kind of funny how these things work out. I had written so many articles and responses to my athletes over the years, helping them with different training topics that I realized that I had the potential here to compile a lot of these and make a really good training philosophy book. So it's called Run Faster Marathons, The Proven Path to PR, and it will be released in spring 2022. It's basically my philosophy around marathon training, all the things that I've used with my 50 some odd athletes over the number of years, uh, helping them improve their marathon times, set, pers set personal bests, BQ, win races, it's all in there. So if you want to kind of understand, like, how does a coach actually design your training? Like what, what math do they use to figure out like how long should your workouts be or how long should your long run be? And what types of things should you be considering 
as you train for the marathon specifically. This book goes into detail on all those things. So when that's released earlier this year, you can check that out. I'm actually going to be giving away 50 free copies of the book upon its release. So if you go to my website at nightandruns.com and sign up for my newsletter, I'm going to be sending them to members on my newsletter. That's so exciting. I can't wait to read it and steal your, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And learn more about another coach's perspective. (laughs) You know, every good coach was made by learning from other coaches, taking bits of it that they liked, applying it to their own athletes and figuring out what works well for them and their teams. So very few things in here are new, but it's my own perspective and it's what's worked for me. And that is what, what makes it new. It's, Mm -hmm. It's my unique philosophy. Unique to you. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, thank you for coming on and sharing your time and your expertise. And I I know that we have a lot of new runners or runners who are considering training for the first marathon. And hopefully you have given them a lot of good information that they can make an informed decision about where they should go next with their training and run a good marathon, right? Finish great. But to run a marathon and feel good all the way through the end, that is a true accomplishment. Totally. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. It was great coming on to your show. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.